This is the Bible in One Year, Day 98. How to Stop Worrying. I can't even remember his name, and I didn't think much of his talk. We were both 18 years of age. He'd just joined the army. As he stood up to give the talk, he produced his army boots as a visual aid. He called one of his boots Trust and the other one Obey. He described them as the left and right boot of the Christian life. He only spoke for seven minutes, but his illustration hit home, and I've never forgotten it. Trust and obey are, as he said, a very good summary of the Christian life. We see in the passages for today that they are the answer to trials, temptation, worry, anxiety, fear, failure, and all the other struggles of life. In particular, Jesus shows us how to stop worrying and start living. Psalm 42 My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Trials and temptation. It's often in times of difficulty that we put down deep roots. The psalmist uses the evocative expression, deep calls to deep. Anything that is not from the depth in us will not reach the depth in others. The psalmist is downcast. He feels as if God has forgotten him. He is mourning, oppressed by the enemy. He's in agony. People are taunting him, saying, Where is your God? Rather like the way some people taunt Christians today. The trials and temptations of life have overcome him like a mighty waterfall. Yet he knows deep down that despite being submerged by the ways of life, he can trust in God. God promises to love me all day. Continuing with the image of a torrential river, he refers to God as my rock. Though he feels that God has forgotten him, he knows the reality that God is the greatest security on which he can stand. In the middle of all this, he speaks to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Through all the struggles, trials and temptation, fix your eyes on God and keep trusting and obeying him. Lord, thank you that you direct your love towards me. Help me to keep trusting and obeying you, my Saviour and my God. New Testament, Luke 12 Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms 
will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and 
these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Worry and Anxiety Do you worry a lot? Are you ever struck with fear or seized with alarm? Are you ever anxious and troubled? Jesus never said, Don't worry, because there's nothing to worry about. He said, Don't worry, in spite of the fact that there is so much to worry about. Many times Jesus says to his followers, Do not be afraid, and do not worry. The answer to fear and worry is to trust and obey. Jesus gives us seven ways to deal with worry, anxiety, and fear. First, fear God and nothing else. If you have a right and healthy fear of God, you need fear nothing else. Don't be bluffed into silence or insincerity by the threats of religious bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God, who holds your entire life, body and soul, in his hands. Second, know your value to God. Jesus tells you not to worry or be afraid because you are of infinite value to God. He loves you. You are worth more than many sparrows. He knows you intimately. The very hairs on your head are all numbered. Third, trust the Holy Spirit. He tells you not to worry because you can trust the Holy Spirit to help you. As you face opposition, difficult situations, meetings and so on, Jesus says, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Fourth, don't miss the point of life. Jesus says that by worrying, you miss the whole point of life. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. He tells the story of a businessman who'd built up a highly successful enterprise and made a considerable amount of money. The world probably admired him, However, Jesus describes him as a fool and a failure. He'd made the false assumption that he had many years to live. He had never seen beyond this life. His life was focused on himself. The word I and my appears 11 times. As has been pointed out, a person wrapped up in themselves makes a very small package. He thought he was worth what his possessions were worth. He failed to understand the way to be truly rich. He was not rich towards God. Who you are as a person is far more important than what you do for a living. Fifth, realize that fussing is futile. Jesus encourages you to look beyond material possessions and physical needs. Don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's nothing wrong with these things, but they should not be your focus. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Sixth, trust God's care and provision. Jesus points out that worry is the opposite of faith. If you trust, you will not worry. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Faith involves trust in God's care and provision. Seventh, seek God's kingdom. Trust and obedience go hand in hand. Rather than storing up things for yourselves, you need to be rich towards God. Rather than worrying about material things, you should seek his kingdom. 
which God in his good pleasure has given to you. This should be the focus of your life. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lord, thank you that you tell me over and over again not to worry and not to be afraid. Help me to seek your kingdom and to trust that all these things will be given to me as well. Old Testament, Deuteronomy 9 and 10 Hear Israel. You are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall, Anakites. You know about them and have heard it said, Who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them before you. And you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly, as the Lord has promised you. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, The Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No. It is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going in to take possession of their land. But on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand then, that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. Remember this, and never forget how you aroused the anger of the Lord your God in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you have been rebellious against the Lord. At Horeb you aroused the Lord's wrath so that he was angry enough to destroy you. When I went up on the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord had made with you, I stayed on the mountain for forty days and forty nights. I ate no bread and drank no water. The Lord gave me two stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. On them were all the commandments the Lord proclaimed to you on the mountain out of the fire on the day of the assembly. At the end of the forty days and forty nights, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord told me, Go down from here at once, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have turned away quickly from what I commanded them and have made an idol for themselves. And the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and they are a stiff-necked people indeed. Let me alone so that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make you into a nation stronger and more numerous than they. So I turned and went down from the mountain while it was ablaze with fire. And the two stone tablets of the covenant were in my hands. When I looked, I saw that you had sinned against the Lord your God, you had made for yourselves an idol, cast in the shape of a calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. 
So I took the two tablets and threw them out of my hands, breaking them to pieces before your eyes. Then once again I fell prostrate before the Lord for forty days and forty nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of all the sin you had committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and so arousing his anger. I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord, for he was angry enough with you to destroy you. But again the Lord listened to me. And the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. But at that time I prayed for Aaron too. Also, I took that sinful thing of yours, the calf you had made, and burned it in the fire. Then I crushed it and ground it to powder as fine as dust and threw the dust into a stream that flowed down the mountain. You also made the Lord angry at Tabara, at Massa, and at Kaibroth Hateava. And when the Lord sent you out from Kadesh Barnea, he said, Go up and take possession of the land I have given you. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You did not trust him or obey him. You have been rebellious against the Lord ever since I have known you. I lay prostrate before the Lord those forty days and forty nights because the Lord had said he would destroy you. I prayed to the Lord and said, Sovereign Lord, do not destroy your people, your own inheritance, that you redeemed by your great power and brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Overlook the stubbornness of this people, their wickedness and their sin. Otherwise, the country from which you brought us will say, because the Lord was not able to take them into the land he had promised them, and because he hated them, he brought them out to put them to death in the wilderness. But they are your people, your inheritance, that you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. Deuteronomy chapter 10 At that time the Lord said to me, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones and come up to me on the mountain. Also make a wooden ark. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Then you are to put them in the ark. So I made the ark out of acacia wood and chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones. And I went up on the mountain with the two tablets in my hands. The Lord wrote on these tablets what he had written before, the ten commandments he had proclaimed to you on the mountain out of the fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Then I came back down the mountain and put the tablets in the ark I had made as the Lord commanded me, and they are there now. The Israelites traveled from the wells of Benejeacan to Mosira. There Aaron died and was buried, and Eleazar his son succeeded him as priest. From there they travelled to Gadgoda, and on to Jotbatha, a land with streams of water. At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessings in his name, as they still do today. That is why the Levites have no share or inheritance among their fellow Israelites. 
The Lord is their inheritance, as the Lord your God told them. Now I had stayed on the mountain for forty days and forty nights, as I did the first time, and the Lord listened to me at this time also. It was not his will to destroy you. Go, the Lord said to me, and lead the people on their way, so that they may enter and possess the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good? To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants above all the nations. As it is today, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him, hold fast to him, and take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God, who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors, who went down into Egypt, were seventy in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Fear and failure. God's blessing is pure grace. It's not because of your righteousness or your integrity. Moses reminds the people of God of all the things that went wrong for them in the past. He tells them that the reason was, you did not trust him or obey him. Moses urges them that now they are to trust and obey God. What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. When we're tempted to disobey God, it is because we do not trust that he has our best interests at heart. We like to think that we know better than God what's best for us. However, the reality is that all God's commands are for your own good. God loves you, cares for you and knows you. And that's why he wants you to obey him. The truth is that you can trust God, even when you find his commands difficult or restrictive. The omnipotent God, to whom belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it, has set his affection on you and loved you and he chose you. This faith is inward, not just outward. Circumcise your hearts. Yet it is a faith that leads to action. You are called to follow God's example and defend the cause of the fatherless and the widow and love the alien, giving them food and clothing. There's to be no racial discrimination. We should have a special love and service for the poor 
and the marginalized. God promises that if you trust and obey him, you will see growth and multiplication. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were seventy in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Lord, thank you that you have set your affection on me, loved me and chosen me. Help me today to fear you, to walk in all your ways, to love you and to serve you with all my heart and all my soul. I pray that you would make your church as numerous as the stars in the sky. Pippa adds, In Luke 12, verse 22, it says, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. It's so easy to obsess about body shape, image, health, nutrition. I must admit, when thinking about an upcoming event, the first thing that comes to mind is, Oh dear, what shall I wear? 